Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 1 from the World English Bible. Now King David was old and advanced in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he couldn't keep warm. Therefore his servants said to him, Let a young virgin be sought for my lord the king. Let her stand before the king and cherish him, and let her lie in your bosom, that my lord the king may keep warm. So they sought for a beautiful young lady throughout all the borders of Israel, and found Abishag the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young lady was very beautiful, and she cherished the king, and served him, but the king didn't know her intimately. Then Adonijah the son of Haggith exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Then he prepared him chariots and horsemen, and fifty men to run before him. His father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why have you done so? And he was also a very handsome man, and he was born after Absalom. He conferred with Joab the son of Zariah and with Abiathar the priest, and they followed Adonijah and helped him. But Zadok the priest, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rei, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Adonijah killed sheep, cattle, and fatlings by the stone of Zeholoth, which is beside Enrogel, and he called all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he didn't call Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother. Then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Haven't you heard that Adonijah the son of Haggith reigns, and David our Lord doesn't know it? Now therefore come, please let me give you counsel, that you may save your own life and your son Solomon's life. Go in to King David and tell him, Didn't you, my lord king, swear to your servant, saying, Assuredly Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then does Adonijah reign? Behold, while you are still talking there with the king, I will also come in after you and confirm your words. Bathsheba went into the king in his room. The king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. Bathsheba bowed and showed respect to the king. The king said, What would you like? She said to him, My lord, you swore by Yahweh your God to your servant, Assuredly Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Now behold, Adonijah reigns, and you, my lord the king, don't know it. He has slain cattle and fatlings and sheep in abundance, and has called all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the captain of the army, but he hasn't called Solomon your servant. You, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will happen, when my lord the king sleeps with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be considered criminals. 
Behold, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet came in. They told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet. When he had come in before the king, he bowed himself before the king with his face to the ground. Nathan said, My lord king, have you said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and has slain cattle, fatlings, and sheep in abundance, and has called all the king's sons, the captains of the army, and Abiathar the priest. Behold, they are eating and drinking before him, and saying, Long live King Adonijah! But he hasn't called me, even me your servant, Zadok the priest, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon. Was this thing done by my lord the king, and you haven't shown to your servants who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba into me. She came into the king's presence and stood before the king. The king swore and said, As Yahweh lives, who has redeemed my soul out of all adversity, most certainly, as I swore to you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, I will most certainly do this today. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth, and showed respect to the king, and said, Let my lord, King David, live forever. King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. They came before the king. The king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. Let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. Then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. I have appointed him to be prince over Israel and over Judah. Benaniah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. May Yahweh, the God of my lord the king, say so. As Yahweh has been with my lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord king David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. They blew the trumpet and all the people said, Long live King Solomon! All the people came up after him and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth shook with their sound. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they had finished eating. When Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Why is this noise of the city being in an uproar? While he yet spoke, behold, Jonathan the son of Abiathar the priest came, and Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a worthy man, and bring good news. Jonathan answered Adonijah, most certainly our lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and they have caused him to ride on the king's mule. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king in Gihon. 
They have come up from there rejoicing, so that the city rang again. This is the noise that you have heard. Also Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. Moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. Also thus said the king, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne today, my eyes even seeing it. All the guests of Adonijah were afraid and rose up, and each man went his way. Adonijah was afraid because of Solomon, and he arose and went and hung on to the horns of the altar. Solomon was told, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon. For behold, he is hanging on to the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not kill his servant with the sword. Solomon said, If he shows himself a worthy man, not a hair of his shall fall to the earth, but if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. He came and bowed down to King Solomon, and Solomon said to him, Go to your house. That is the end of chapter 1. Because we know David was 30 when he became king and he reigned 40 years, we know he is here approaching 70 years old. I know people who are 70 or 80, some who are still walking several miles a day. And the people I know who died in their 50s, 60s, or 70s died from disease or issues unrelated to aging because I know children who have died from the same thing. We also know that Barzillai from... 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 32, was even 80 years old, and Eli lived to be 98. Then he died because he fell and broke his neck in 1 Samuel 4.15. But most of the age spans that we are told about in the Bible are either before King David, like the really long ones before the flood, or from lists of kings, which often involve battle or treachery. So 70 isn't exactly young, but David seems particularly decrepit, so much so that he can't get warm. Now, there are no electric blankets in those days, so the next best thing is a warm body. Why one of his wives couldn't do this is what first comes to my mind, but I realize that one, his wives might have felt it was beneath them to dedicate all their waking hours to caring for him, and two, the youngest of them might have been Bathsheba, and she was probably close to 40, which means that laying around trying to keep him warm might have been hard on her as her body is beginning to age. Around age 40, a lot of people start to feel aching and stiffness if they don't move enough. But maybe it was just political and cultural. If he was going to hire someone, it had to be a woman who was going to lay with him, and it had to be a virgin. So by default, it had to be someone young. Now, as far as her being beautiful, that's just part of him being a king, and he can, I think, but everyone likes the most beautiful things they can have. It appears they went through quite a process to find her. This version in the World English Bible says that she cherished him. That is translated in other versions as served, cared for, or acted as a nurse, but it does seem to indicate that she did it well. Notably, he did not have sexual relations with her. I think one reason we are told her name is because it will come up later with Adonijah. Speaking of whom, 
Adonijah is the oldest living son at this time, so you can understand why he might naturally expect the throne to be his after King David dies. But yet he apparently doesn't really think it is because his actions are those of a a usurper, someone who's trying to deceitfully get something done. But he also wasn't the first of David's sons to try to seize the throne while David was living. It is interesting how the text makes a point of how handsome Adonijah is. The implication seems to be, again, that people were swayed more by outward appearance than they should be. And then he mimics Absalom with the chariots and the 50 men running in front of him. And again, David lets him get away with things. If David had been curtailing Adonijah's displays sooner, maybe Adonijah wouldn't have ended up dead. Maybe the same thing with Absalom. Joab, I think, is just being his usual practical political self. He knows David is dying and he's playing the odds as he sees them which is just more evidence that Joab has never really been paying attention to God, who already declared, God already declared that he had chosen Solomon, if you recall, when he sent Nathan the prophet. We'll mention that again later. And here we see who is really loyal to David, basically when he is completely weak and vulnerable. Besides Zadok the priest, his mighty men, who have been with him from the beginning, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites, probably his guard, as we mentioned before, which will become important soon in the narrative. The only Shimei mentioned when I did a word search is the same Shimei who cursed him and then repented. He seems to be sticking to David-like glue here. And this is the only mention I could find of this person, Rei, uh, when I did a search. And then, of course, there's Nathan, God's prophet, who is an important ally. All of the killing of animals that Adonijah is doing is at least a feast of celebrating, probably acts of sacrificing that are attempting to give validity to what he's doing. But then Nathan puts a pipe in the spokes. There is no indication here that Nathan got direction from God for this specifically, but I would say it is an example of not needing more direction when we know what is right. Recall 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 through 25, where Nathan had come with a direct message and a special naming of Solomon as being chosen by God. He also seems to understand Adonijah's character and that Bathsheba's and Solomon's lives are at risk, more so than the lives of the other king's sons, by virtue that the others have been invited to Adonijah's coronation And Solomon has been already recognized as the one who is expected to inherit the throne. So Nathan steps up to motivate David to what he probably should have been doing as as king, as far as I can see. In the proceedings here, where Bathsheba uh, approaches David first, we see the disadvantage of being a wife to the king. She has to approach him as the king, bowing to him, although she does seem to get entrance pretty easily. Then Nathan comes also bowing with his face to the ground, a a show of complete subservience, but that doesn't stop him from saying what needs to be said. Nathan specifically points out who was excluded from Adonijah's proceedings. In verse 28, Bathsheba seems to have stepped out of the room because she is called back in, and the official coronation of Solomon is set in motion. 
Then Bathsheba says this common phrase, may the king live forever while he's expected to die any day. So that seems kind of awkward. In verse 33, we see the beginning of several things, several actions being taken to make it abundantly obvious that Solomon is being designated as the next king and even as king now by King David. First of all, he is going to be set on King David's mule. Let me read you something that David Guzik says in his commentary about the mule. And actually, he's quoting a fellow named Dilde. He says, the mule was something special in ancient Israel since the law forbade crossbreeding, see Leviticus 19.19, mules had to be imported and were therefore very expensive. So while the common people rode donkeys, the mule was reserved for royalty. And then also from a guy named Clark, no subject could use anything that belonged to the prince without forfeiting his life. As David offered Solomon to ride on his own mule, this was full evidence that he had appointed him as successor. The other actions taken to make it clear that Solomon was being designated as king was that he was anointed by the high priest and the prophet. There was a loud trumpet and oral proclamation that was called out, and he was sitting on the throne. Those same people that Adonijah had excluded from his gathering were some very top-ranking key people in King David's court, particularly important due to their roles. And then also his David's personal guard, the Cherethites and the Pelethites, are accompanying Solomon. This was probably not just a small group, but a very impressive guard. In verse 39, it talks about getting the horn of oil from the tent. The King James Version translates this as tabernacle, but also noteworthy is that the people weren't living in tents here. It seems pretty clear that the tent means the tabernacle. Now, in verse 40, I admit that I can get a little confused by all the places like this where it says, all the people. All what people? Certainly not all the people in Jerusalem, because we already have a list of those at Adonijah's party. It seems similar to the way the term is used in 2 Samuel uh, chapters 15 through 17, where David is escaping from Absalom. And in context, in these accounts, all the people seems to be referring to the people who are present in what's being talked about. However, here it does seem to include the rest of the people in the city, partly because Adonijah's party was more exclusive, also because the earth shook with their sound. And in verse 41, Joab talks of the city being in an uproar. King David made the coronation of Solomon extremely public. Then we have the fact of Abiathar's betrayal. And one wonders um, if he just has a hard heart or if he's vengeful. Because while he did escape with King David with when Absalom was rebelling, he was the survivor who escaped when his whole family was killed by King Saul in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22. And David took him in, but apparently his heart was not fully with David. In verse 42, Adonijah's greeting of Jonathan is a weird idiomatic way of being hopeful and just greeting somebody who comes with a message, I think. In verse 43, Jonathan just goes ahead and tells them the harsh reality in contrast to how he is greeted by Adonijah. 
and the details get across exactly what King David wanted them to, with the conclusion being that in verse 47, the people have come and accepted him as king, and also King David himself has publicly bowed to honor Solomon, even while still on his bed. In verse 49, Adonijah is abandoned by everyone, and then he flees to the altar in fear of his life, rightly so, both for his treason and for Solomon consolidating his power. Note here that Solomon is probably around 20 years old, possibly a bit younger, depending on his actual birth order in the lists of Bathsheba's sons. In 2 Samuel 5.14 and 1 Chronicles 3.5, it lists him as fourth. But when it talks about him being born, he's the only son who's mentioned of Bathsheba's particularly being born right after the death of their first son. Adonijah was probably in his mid to late 30s, given that he was born in Hebron in the first seven years of King David's reign, and he was the fourth son of um, King David, but the only son listed of Haggith, so he could have been born he could have been born earlier in that time period. See 2 Samuel 3.4. So this is pretty humiliating for him. Then I did some research biblically on the horns of the altar. If you look at Exodus 29 and Leviticus 8, you can see where they are used in the dedication, the consecration of things and people uh, involved in sacrifices in the tabernacle. And then they are also used specifically in ongoing sacrifices, and this is mentioned in Leviticus 4 and Leviticus 16. They are also mentioned in Psalm 118.27 as a poetic reference to celebration. And then in Revelations 9.13, the horns of the true altar before God are mentioned prophetically. In Exodus 21.14, the horns of the altar are mentioned as a place to flee to, but they don't protect someone who is guilty of intentional murder. And then in Luke 11.51, the same concept of fleeing to the altar seems to be referred to when Jesus says um, the Jews there will be held responsible for the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God, meaning that he was right in the thick of the tabernacle and the sacrificial system there, and they still killed him. So Adonijah is pleading for mercy, and Solomon gives it, but with the condition that Adonijah from now on live without wickedness, the wickedness of rebellion seeming to be the implication. So Adonijah comes, shows appropriate respect to Solomon, and is told to go home. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.